All right. Who is God? That is the discussion in this episode of the all-new podcast entitled C28. Well, we're really excited about a story this morning. It's definitely one of my favorite stories from you. It is. It, it is probably the story where I've been the biggest fool of my entire life. That's why I, I don't know. The, the <laughs> onion rings. <laughs> a different day. <laughs> okay. So to get right to it, um, there's a story of what I've taken on as the most embarrassing moment of my entire life, and I'm going to tell it right now. It starts out. Um, I'm in Washington. I'm working at a church up there as a youth pastor. And uh, we have a student center. Um, we're right next to a high school and we have the student center open. And so people, you know, kids come in, you know, th- throughout the school year. And, you know, we have hundreds of kids kind of filter through there. But um, also our youth group kids go there. And to keep this story short, I'm going to have to cut out some of the details. But essentially, uh, there is a girl that I'm not super familiar with, but I know she had been at youth group a couple times and she was with some of the other students, um, at the student center. I did not realize that this was a teenager. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, go ahead. I mean, it can't get worse, but it does every time I tell it. Uh, so, um, it appears as if she, um, she's wearing a sweatshirt and she has her left arm looks normal into her sweatshirt and the other arm looks like it is like tucked underneath, like it is in a sling underneath her sweatshirt. Sure. And so I'm going to go <laughs> create some conversation. I'm like, Hey what guys, a nice breaker. <laughs> yeah. No, this is horrible. Your- like, so I, I go up and I, and I, I'm like, Hey guys, how you doing? And so I look, um, you know, at this newer girl and I just was like, Hey, you know, what happened to your arm? And because it looked like it was a sl- in a sling underneath her sweatshirt. And uh, she says something like, and I couldn't, like at the moment, I didn't understand why she said what she said. I just thought I misunderstood her. But it sounded like she said she left it in Texas. And I thought mm-hmm. I, I just misunderstood her. <laughs> so I just. That can't be the case. <laughs> <laughs> so I just laugh. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just turn around and walk away. And then that, that encounter was bugging me for a long t- for for like that whole day for hours i was thinking about like man that was weird and i and part of it was i just knew i was awkward no matter what really happened there like i knew i was awkward and so i told my wife about it i was like yeah you know i had this really weird encounter with somebody and um and emily as i explained the girl and how i observed her um, with, you know, the left arm and her sleeve like normal, and then her right arm looked like it was tucked underneath her sweatshirt. Um, she's like, Brian, that, wa- that wasn't the one-armed girl, was it? <laughs> and I'm like, no, definitely not, babe. Like, that would be horrible. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm Can sure. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm sure her arm was in the sweatshirt. And um, I knew her sister, so, and her sister was older, and uh I, I, so I went to her sister and I said, Hey, I may have really, um, made a big mistake here. And I explained the whole situation to her. I'm like, I'm like, like, does one of your sisters have one arm? And she says, yes. (laughs) 
And that was oh the girl I went up to. So I went up to this girl that has one arm. I was like, hey, what happened to your arm? And she said she left it in Texas because that's where it was amputated <laughs> at for medical reasons. Oh my and that's gosh. like her go-to answer for awkward people like me. And she said she left it in Texas. And I just laugh and walk away. <laughs> it was horrible. But she is a she's a champ. She gave me a lot of grace in that moment. We were still friends after that and uh and she was really gracious with me so i appreciate that in a horrible moment but the, but the problem was is that i didn't really know this girl that well right and if uh and if i would have known that obviously i would have been able to act, um, interact a little bit differently right right like you had no context for who she was exactly for sure yeah for sure because i wouldn't have said where's your arm to a one-armed <laughs> girl i wouldn't have done that that's yeah. not what i usually do right so, I mean, I made a fool of myself. I didn't understand her. I interacted with her weird, and I made comments that didn't make sense, and I talked to other people about her in ways that didn't make sense because they all knew who she really was. Yeah. So that brings us to our topic, right? <laughs> and she was so, so really gracious with you. She, she was really gracious <laughs> with me. I appreciate that. So, I mean, that kind of brand, that is kind of a, you know, we were thinking about that story as we're talking about, like, it's important to really know who God is, the ins right. and outs of who God is. And we're not going to actually get to that in this uh in this podcast, we're going to get to a very uh, general um, drop in the bucket. Yeah. And the, the way I thought about it last night, I don't know if this makes sense, but I was like, man, uh, I, because I kept having to just cut stuff out of this and cut stuff out of this. And, uh, and I just was like, you know, it's as if, if we really explored who God is, it would be like dumping the ocean on us. If the ocean was the information about who God was, it'd be like dumping the ocean on us. And all we're going to do is like just sneeze in your face. That's it. That's <laughs> You're just going to miss. God. That is not what I thought the analogy was going. <laughs> maybe, so what you're saying is maybe we can give them a hand in go. getting to know who God is. Exactly. Oh, man, I really thought no, you were going to think Well, of, I feel are weird. Are you just withholding no, the laugh no, Well, I just be a <laughs> jerk? You got to keep in mind, there might be someone that listens to this that knows this girl, and I just feel really bad about it. I don't want to make more jokes about it. I'm sorry. I was I know trying that, to lighten the mood. Yeah, well, was... that's a weird way to lighten the mood. Okay. <laughs> All right. So really anyway, turn that around on me. <laughs> so I guess when, when I was um, thinking about this topic, I very quickly started to get really intimidated by the topic and the amount of time that I yeah. have to talk. Yeah. Because there's, there's literally, like people use this all the time. Um, they overuse this, but there's literally volumes. You know, you said literally different. The two times. I know. I said literally and then literally. <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to make sure. I panicked about the way I used it the first time, and you couldn't have just let it go. No. You had to say something. Just, okay. I just want to make sure everybody heard that. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna stick with with literally. Yeah. Okay. Literally. Right um, volumes written on this topic, and yet it's still not exhausted. Um, my professors use that same analogy that you talked about, like. The one I'm girl. <laughs> no, no, not that one. Uh, they use the same analogy like us, a finite person trying to comprehend the infinite God is like trying to drink the ocean. Like mm. we can't contain, right, that mm. volume. Um, and so this has been pretty intimidating. But there's a couple of things that are um, that are basics I think we need to get out of the way first. And one that I, I came back to was that the Bible does not offer, that I know of, right, I don't know the Bible exhaustively, that I could tell the Bible does not offer an argument um, or an apologetic for the existence of God. Like that God exists, and that is assumed from the beginning. Like Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Mm-hmm. Right? Like sure. there's there's not like, and this is why you should, you know, believe that the Father exists or something like that. It's like it's just assumed throughout the book that, that God exists. Um, and then also, it the Bible is really clear that well, like... Well, also, he's going to prove, he's going to, he goes, the whole Bible is... is 
like throughout the Bible with the per, uh, fulfilled prophecies and, and things like in the, in the miracles and stuff like that, you know, it's going to prove that God exists through that. Sure, sure, right, sure. It's not yeah. like that. Right. So there's, there's times where Jesus is for sure like, I'm doing this so that you know that I'm deity, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that it offers um, an apologetic for like the existence of God. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like for sure that Jesus was God. Um, and then, you know, throughout scripture, like we have these revelations that help us get to know God better and better as time goes on. But right off the bat, it assumes that God exists. Um, and then it talks about like the fool in his heart um, says mm-hmm. that there is no God. Like you're a fool. Right. And then Paul in Romans like develops that even more in Romans one, where he's like, basically his argument is that there's no such thing as an atheist. Right. He's like, there's been sufficient evidence, even just through nature for you to know that there is a creator God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that people who deny that, that it's not that they don't know it's that they're actively suppressing the truth. Yep. You got an illustration with a beach ball. About that? <laughs> I, Come love, on. I love, I love my on. beach ball. illustration. It's Preach. not mine. I don't know where I got it from. Um, but the idea is that if you've ever been in a pool or in some body of water and you've got a big beach ball, have you ever tried to like lay on top of it and like squish it under the water? It's embarrassing that you use this because I do this all the time. I I don't know why. I try to drown the beach ball. But why? Why do we? Anyways. It's a challenge. It makes as much sense as an atheist trying to prove that God doesn't exist. Sure. So, (laughs) um, but that's, that's basically what the unbeliever is doing throughout their entire life. They're trying to suppress the truth of the existence of God, of a God, but specifically the God of the Bible. Yeah, and, and it's worth mentioning that study after study after study has, it's over 85% for ever in history that over 85%, I think it's around 87 to 89% um, percent of the world believes that there's a higher power. So really right. the argument isn't really about if, if there's a higher power, it's who is the higher power. Right. And the 13% <laughs> um, are the ones that, that claim that there is no, um, well, to, to be honest, there's, there's part of that 13% um, would be agnostic, right? They're the ones that say, I'm not sure if there's a God. Um, actual atheists is a super, super, super small percent. Like the ones that say there is no chance there is any higher power. I mean, just a fraction of the population. The, the, the majority, vast majority of the entire world believes that there's a higher power. Right. Um, the understanding which God that is. Right. Yeah, yeah. Is the argument. Yeah. And like, so I'm, obviously I'm not a cultural expert or anything like that, but from like where I, where I sit, right? Like what I can see, um, what I experienced growing up, what I remember growing up is that everybody was afraid that like evolution was going to turn everyone into atheists and then no one was going to believe in the spiritual world or God or anything like that. And from where I sit now, it seems like that might've like happened a little bit where there's this little dip, um, in, you know, in people who believed in something other than like the physical reality. But it seems what's happening now is that like everything's becoming spiritualized. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, I think that I don't have proof for this. So I'm just saying from my, where I sit, from my perspective, the, the world that I interact with seems like it's becoming less and less atheistic and more and more spiritualized, but also less and less Christian Mm -hmm. at the same time. And so knowing exactly who the Christian God is, I think is really important. And by less and less Christian, you're saying statistically less and less Christian, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Because there's part, there's probably people that are claiming to be Christian less, mm-hmm. but not actual Christians leaving the faith. Yeah. Or even maybe even actual Christians joining the church hasn't decreased, but just the, uh, oh, it, it behooves me to claim to be Christian because it's culturally cool to do that is now changing a little bit. There's a little bit of pressure on Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So, and people, it seems like there's a growing movement of people who like claim to be Christian, 
um, but are twisting what that means in oh, order yeah. to fit the culture. That's a good point. Right? And we'll get to that later. But Yeah, we will. A little teaser. What do you got about who God is? You got anything else? Yeah, so um, I th- well, just kind of like one another reason like why it's so important to get this right. Because I think if we get who God is wrong, um, then we're in, like, I think the biggest danger that we can run into is making him in our own image. That seems to be the root mm-hmm. problem of a lot of things that I see um, in theological conversations with other mm-hmm. people is that we try to figure out who God is based on who we are. And that's like backwards, mm-hmm. right? We need to be figuring out who we are based on how God has revealed himself in scripture. From the beginning of human history, that's been a struggle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I think that some of the dangers that come from that are like, like I said, making God in our image. Well, if you hear things said like, well, God has to be at least as loving as I am, right? That's a problem. Mm-hmm. We don't compare God to who we are. Or, or I wouldn't do that if I was God. Well, but we're not God. Right. Like, he's in a category completely on his own. And so, I mean, then that leads to the next thing that I was going to mention is like this creator-created distinction is really important for not making a God in our own image. So we have everything that is created is not God, right? Because God is eternal and uncreated. In the beginning, God. There mm-hmm. is no origin story for God mm-hmm. because he has always been. And so what we have to remember is that we are we are in the created category and God is alone in his uncreated category. Nothing else is in the category with him. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's kind of what I wanted decision. to open with. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. What do you got? Oh, well, <laughs> I, uh, I, I boiled mine down to a six word sentence. Oh my gosh. I, Get out of here. I refined and refined and refined this bad boy. <laughs> All right. Six <laughs> words. Here we go. There is one true triune God. When asked who is God in a 20 minute podcast that we may run over in, I came down to this sentence, six words. There is one true triune God. So I want to break that down as pastors typically do into three words. Okay. Um, Out of those six words, we're going to look at three, the word one, the word true and the word triune. So um, I, I see the time for those of you who uh, heard our 20-minute commitment, so I'm going to hustle. Uh, one God, an example in the New Testament, uh, Paul in 1 Timothy 2, uh, chapter 2, 5 through 6 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time starts out for there is one God, the old, I mean, the new Testament over and over and over again, uh, talks about one God and, um, Psalms one fifteen. to you alone. Glory is given. Why is, uh, to, uh, God alone glory given because there is only one God, uh, Deuteronomy four thirty five. to you. It was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. There is one God. 2 Samuel 7.22, For this reason you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. There is one God, and that is important for us to remember. Um, I mean, obviously we, we read a lot about it in even Greek mythology and things like that in movies, and that there's all these different gods. You know, you want rain, you pray to the rain God. You want to be fertile, you pray to the God of fertility, uh, you know, and, and things like that. 
that is not true. There is one God that we right. go to for all of these things, and that is the God of the Bible. The second, for the sake of speed, is triune. There is one God. That God is a triune God. Um, first, we got to look at Jesus in his deity, right? Because you have this, this idea of triune is trinity, which is three in one. Now, the Bible actually doesn't use the word trinity uh, in the tapestry of scripture, you see this common thread become more and more prevalent of this three in one throughout. Uh, but first, so we have, we, we typically recognize God, the father, right? The God in heaven, we think of as God, the father. So then we have Jesus, uh, that is also God. And you would say, Brian, how could you prove that? And, and I'm going to prove everything I say with scripture. And some of you may be thinking, well, why does scripture have the authority uh, to, to say that? And we'll get to that in a different podcast, but for now, right. uh, I'm going to use scripture to prove that Jesus is deity. In John chapter 1, 1 through 3, and then also verse 14, says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So this Word that they're talking about was God, and it was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So this word was part of creation. So then we'd be like, well, what is this word then? Well, verse 14, the word became flesh. Who became flesh? Jesus. And dwelled among us. Who dwelled among us? Jesus. And we have seen his glory. The glory of who? Jesus. Glory as the only son. Who was the son of God? Who claimed to be the son of God? Who's prophesied to be the son of God? Jesus. Full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. In John 10, 24 through 30, um, the Jews have gathered around, and they ask him this, how long will you keep us in suspense? And this is their question. This is what they're in suspense over. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So why are they saying that? It's because he's alluded to it, and he has said it, and he's actually been very clear about it. But he's like, just say it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Jesus answered them, I've told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. So they prove this, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life. Who can give eternal life? God only. Yeah, that's a divine quality. Absolutely. Yeah. And they will never perish and it goes on. So um, the idea is that Jesus claims to be deity. He proves that he is deity as his actions give testimony that the prophecies that he fulfills proves that he is deity um and so jesus is god incarnate uh, via the virgin birth and so we have god the father we have god the son who is jesus and then we have god the the spirit and um if you go back to genesis chapter one uh, verse two it says this now the earth was formless and empty Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So now you see in the beginning, before creation, before uh, you know, man was created, you see the Spirit of God. In Genesis one twenty six, you see a plural verb and a plural pronoun. Why? Because, and it says, let us make man in our image, right? So there's this plural, that plurality 
we believe is speaking to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So part of the Trinity, that there, that there is one God existing in three persons, and they're distinct but one. And so obviously we get to this point where like that makes no sense. And and the reason we can't understand is because we don't have any other observable truth that's like that yeah. other than God. Um, Ephesians 4.30 uh, talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit of God by whom we are sealed for redemption. Um, God seals us through redemption, and he does that through the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. So um, the only thing I wanted to mention is this isn't modalism. Right, uh, yeah. And, and what that is is that it's not one God shape-shifting as he needs, right? So God the Father is uh, in heaven, and he's like, I need to go and fulfill what man has failed and, and, and atone for sin. And so then he stops being the Father, comes down as Jesus, and, and the Father no longer exists, and the Spirit no longer exists, but just God uh, the Son exists. That's that's modalism. That's not what we're teaching here. What we see in Matthew 3, 13 through 17, and I'll just summarize it. When Jesus is baptized, we see that as Jesus is brought up out of the water, the heavens open to him, and he sees the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. So you have the Holy Spirit coming down, and you have a voice from heaven, which is God the Father, saying, this is my beloved Son who, with whom I'm well pleased, and you have Jesus. So you have the Trinity seen there in those distinct roles, yet they are um, all God. And then true God is my last point here. And uh, that is because I do believe Scripture teaches that there are false gods. Your stomach can be a false god. You can carve uh, um, engraved images uh, and make them gods. Um, you can make yourself um, a god, but you're not a real god. It's, it's a false god. Because like you had mentioned, there is no other god in that category. There right. is creator and creation. And so I just go to Exodus 21 through 5, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So that would make you think, okay, so there are other gods. There are lowercase g's because they're not the creator. They're false gods. You should not make for yourself a carved image or anything like this. And it goes on, and it says, for I am the Lord your God, and he's a jealous God. Not that he wants to be us and he's jealous of us. It's that he wants all of us and, and all of our allegiance. And so there is no room for um, ideology. Yeah. So, so there, there you go. My six words, <laughs> there is one true triune God. Yeah. And I think that, um, just for a few more minutes, I think that what you just talked about, one true God in three persons is we have to get that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to get wrong. So I'm not saying that it's easy to talk about, right? But it's important that we have to get that right. Um, because what can happen is we start to think about Jesus. Well, we can say that, yeah, he's deity, that he's God but we think about him as being distinct from the God of the old Testament. Um, and that's a problem. Yeah. Right? So we, th- we see like new Testament, loving God, old Testament, you know, vengeful, wrathful God. And that, that's um, a, a problem because we have to remember they're one God, mm-hmm. right? He's the same God. And we also have to remember that he doesn't change, right? He's immutable. Like he's unchanging. There's no mm-hmm. variation or shadow due to change. I think it's in, in James talks about that. Um, and what I've seen, Actually, very recently. So Bill Johnson, uh, pastor of Bethel Church in Reading. Here we go. Yeah. He he and another pastor um, dropped a video talking uh, around some of these things. And in there, they say that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. I think that's a true statement, right? If you just take that statement alone, I think that's true. I think Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Um, in the rest of that video, though, they use that statement to downplay or minimize um, the the picture of God that we get from the Old Testament, as if there's something flawed about it. 
And I've been trying to work through this like the last few days, like thinking about, you know, what does it mean for Jesus to be the the perfect image of God like Hebrews talks about? Um, and I think that what I've come to is that Jesus is the most comprehensive picture of God that we have mm. in the Bible. Um, but every other manifestation of God, every other time that God speaks throughout the Old Testament, every time that he shows up and does something, he acts. All of those are perfect representations of him, but less comprehensive representations of him. Yeah. And yeah, so it would have to be true. Right. It would have to be it true. It has to be true. And so what we see is that like when God wipes out civilizations in the Old Testament and when he floods the earth and only a few people live, like we have to reconcile that that's still the same God as Jesus walking around and healing people and forgiving sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't separate those two things. And so I think it's really important that we remember that every manifestation of God in the Bible is a perfect representation, just some are less comprehensive comprehensive than others. Um, I think I think that's really important. Um, and then also they talked about their, their point behind this um, in that video was that we don't get to see God as Father in the Old Testament, and we do get to see God as Father. Um, we get to see Jesus talking about God the Father, putting God the Father on display mm-hmm. in the in the New Testament. And I think that that's just not true. They said, that, well, there's only 16 verses in the Old Testament um, that point to God being Father. And we have to remember that in in building doctrine and and creating good theology. Um, it's not necessarily, it's not merely about the frequency um, that something is talked about in Scripture, but the clarity yeah. that something is talked about in Scripture. And so 16 really clear verses in the Old Testament talking about God being Father is plenty Oh yeah, for God to be revealed as Father. If there's one mm-hmm. where it says God is Father, right, in the Old Testament, yeah. that's, that's plenty. And so just to name a couple, uh, Psalm 68.5, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Isaiah 64, 8, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Malachi 2, 10, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? That's just three, right? Mm -hmm. Explicitly clear that God is revealing himself as father throughout the Old Testament. Um, And then the, the other problem is that uh, we run into, like I said, like the Old Testament God is like is only wrathful and only vengeful and a God of war, right? Mm-hmm. But the the very first like um, self description, I think it's the very first self description that we get from God, or at least the first really clear um, one is in Exodus thirty four four through seven, when God says to Moses, "The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord." The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so from the from Exodus, like the second book of the Bible, we have this really clear picture of who God is. That he's loving and gracious and steadfast, but he takes sin seriously. Mm. And that's exactly oh, yeah. the picture of God that we get throughout the rest of the Bible. Yeah. So there's no big disconnect. There's no inconsistency. Like he's one God from start to finish. Bingo, baby. Yeah. Nice. You know, and we didn't actually compare notes, uh, which we intentionally do right. to make this more conversational. And uh, um, we both kind of... Uh, we had good harmonization here. That was good. That was good. <laughs> I want to. I want to conclude. I mean, are, you 
we got all your stuff. We're, we're good. Can I touch on one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'll, I'll, I know I'll we're going long. I know we're going long. It's, bon- um, it's bonus minutes. The, the other thing that really bothered me about this video from Bill Johnson was when he was discussing uh, God's sovereignty. And I, I think we have to get this right also. Mm. Um, he said that God's sovereignty means that God is, is in charge, so he has authority, but he's not in control. So he can't help decide what happens mm-hmm. even, right? Like That's ridiculous. Right. So Don't get me started. He, He's in charge, but not in control. And for me, that removes all um, hope. That removes all comfort. That removes all peace. Like, if God isn't in control of this world, what am I even doing? Like, spending my life worshiping him and, and uh, you know, trusting in him to pull me through. Like, what is this about? Like, if he's not in control, how could he even control enough of reality to bring about the incarnation and then the atonement to yeah. pay for our sins. Like that was outside of his control. Like God has to be in control of everything, right? He, he foreordained these things. Yeah, um, and, and if no man will do good, not even one. Right. And God doesn't intervene in some way, whether it's the power of the Holy spirit and his presence here, or the redeemed people that have been regenerated and filled with the spirit. Yeah. Then, I mean, this world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Um, so just a few verses that really like illustrate this, um, Psalm one fifteen three. our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. He does all that he pleases. So that means everything that he's doing right now is because he wants to be doing it. Um, I think we can extend that to what he's not doing, right? What he chooses not to do mm-hmm. is also what he pleases. Yeah. Um, Isaiah 46, 10 through 11, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Yeah, so will. Either God is in control or he's a liar. Yeah. I really think those are your options because you can't get any more plain than this. And then you can go to Romans nine. He, he's sovereign over man's salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in other places where it talks about God, like Proverbs 21, um, God doing what he pleases, right. And, and, and his counsel will stand. You'd almost have to lose. Check this out. You'd almost have to lose the oneness of God for, to be able to make the comments Bill Johnson said, because how can Jesus come and do what he's doing and, and can, and finish the work that he has started which is obviously in this world with his people intervene and heal by the power of the spirit. Then how can, how can you say God is not involved in intervening in this world in the ways that he wants, because he is King and can and sovereign and does what he wants. How can you say, how can you say that you'd have to lose the concept of the Trinity in order to have a belief system like he has? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I mean, the God that he described is not a God that I'm interested in worshiping. And, and that's because I don't think it's a God that is revealed. It's not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of the Absolutely. Bible. I'm interested in worshiping the God that is. And isn't that the reason why it's important to know who God is? Absolutely. With what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and like, if, if, if there is a religion that doesn't believe that Jesus is God, then they are of a different religion than us. Absolutely. And it goes back to even the name of our podcast. Yeah, right. I I really believe that what Bill Johnson was teaching in that video is is something other than scripture, mm-hmm. um, and people are eating it up. Yeah, right. They're it being just taken blew up. captive by empty, yeah, 
philosophies right. and deceptive deceit. Yeah, it's not based in Scripture. He's talking about a God that the Bible wouldn't recognize. Yeah. And, he, and people are being taken captive by that. Speaking of that, let's wrap this up with a quote from, uh, don't get too excited, CJ, by John <laughs> Calvin, okay? <laughs> I'll try to control myself. All right. This is a statement uh, that he had made. Where Scripture wishes to distinguish the true God from all fictions, it takes these two principles. First, God governs all things by his own hand. And secondly, nothing is hid from him. With that, that concludes episode one of the podcast C28. Who is God? Hopefully we'll learn a little something and we'll see you guys in another two weeks.